Well, good morning, everybody. Today's the first Sunday in Lent, but it's also St. David's Day, isn't it? So I don't know whether any of you have got Welsh heritage. My name's David Williams. I'm going to be Di Williams for today, okay? Di Williams. And I think it was three generations past that uh, my family must have moved from, uh, from Wales to England. My dad was called John Williams. His father was called Leslie John Williams. I researched all this. His father was called John Williams. His father was called John Williams. His father was called John Williams. And I landed up using the censuses in a little village in mid-Wales in 1871. And about uh, 10 John Williamses had been born in the same year. So I just kind of gave up trying to trace my ancestors. But uh, happy St. David's Day to you. I want to speak about something that's, it's not the subject on the, uh, on the notice sheet. Uh, I wasn't able to attend the Vision Day last Saturday and asked Rob if I could just share a few thoughts that uh, I'd had concerning that. So the title of my talk is called What is in Your Hand? What is in your hand? Well, at the moment, not a lot, is it? What's the kind of thing that you tend to have in your hand during the day? Some people seem to have a phone in their hand most of the day, don't they? (laughs) As if it's kind of surgically uh, fastened onto people's hands. You might have other things in your hand. You might spend a lot of time, I don't know, uh, reading. So you might have a book in your hand a lot of the time. You might... Spend a lot of time cooking, so you could have cooking implements in your hand. If you drive for a living, you could be having a steering wheel in your hand, couldn't you? But most of the time, we have fairly ordinary things in our hands, don't we? Maybe in your hands, you've held something that's really precious. Maybe you can think of that. I don't know what what the most valuable thing you've ever held in your hand is. Maybe an item of jewellery or something. Or maybe a a cheque for a a reasonable amount. (laughs) What is in your hand? Well, we're going to read a couple of stories and then I'm going to comment on them. The first first one is in John chapter 6 and that's on page 1069 of the Church Bibles. It's the feeding of the 5,000. So John writes, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with the disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. And we've got a second reading, I'm going to read that sort of straight away, and that's from 
Exodus chapter 4, and that's on page 60 of the Church Bibles. And again, it's a very familiar story. So page 60, Exodus 4. We're obviously coming in in the middle of a conversation because it says, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Wise advice. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So there are two readings and and, and they're all concerning what somebody had in their hands, aren't they? So in the first one, in the feeding of the 5,000, they'd all flocked to see Jesus, and it was the end of the day, and, well, people were hungry, you know what it's like. We're, we're, we're used, aren't we, to sort of having regular meals, quite in, in different cultures, and people might just have one meal a day. So they might have had something very early in the morning, they might not, but they were hungry. And we get two responses from the disciples to the problem. Philip says, it would take more than half a year's wages, eight months, to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So even if we had enough money, well, everybody would just have a little bite. Not really worth it, is it? And sometimes that can be our response when we look around and we sort of think, well, we haven't got a lot. And we think, well, if only we had more. If only we had more, things would be better. And then we've got Andrew's response, haven't we? So he brings forward a little boy, and he says, here is a boy, and I quite like this. There's, I think there's a little bit of irony and sarcasm here. He says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? They're not even big barley loaves and big fish. They're just small loaves and small fish. But it's what this little boy had. And we know that Jesus was able to do something amazing, wasn't he? Because of what that little boy had in his hand. And some of the things I felt God was was saying to me was that it's really important we recognise and thank God for what we have rather than what we lack. It's too easy, isn't it, to sort of the grass is always greener and things like that, looking at other people and other situations and saying, oh, if only, if only, if only. But God wants us to be thankful and to thank him for what we have. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good thing anyway for life, isn't it, just to be thankful for what we have rather than moaning about what we don't have or what we used to have. Or how things used to be. So we need to recognise and thank God for what we have and not what we lack. And then on the basis of that, we need to build and pray into what we have. Because that's what we've got in our hands, isn't it? I mean, it would be lovely, wouldn't it, if somebody had come along with sort of a big catering van and uh, Jesus was able to... It still wouldn't be enough. (laughs) It still wouldn't be enough. Jesus was quite happy with those five small barley loaves and those two small 
fish. As it came from the little boy's hand and it came into Jesus' hand, something amazing happened, didn't it? So in the little boy's hand, what good is that? In Jesus' hand, it was the basis for the most amazing miracle, wasn't it? And if we thank God for what we, what we have, and we give God what we have, not what we'd like to be or what we'd like to have. Do you know, I'd love to be a millionaire. I'd love to be a millionaire and give you loads of money, but I haven't, so I can't. So it's pretty useless, isn't it, me saying those kind of things. But I can give from what I have, and I can give God what I have, rather than just saying, well, God, if I was better or if I had more, or if you'd bless me more, I could do this. In the end, it means we do nothing, doesn't it? We recognize what we have, and we give that to God. And in God's hands, something amazing can happen. It's up to him. It might still stay as five small loaves and two small fishes, and he uses it. But he might transform it. And that can happen in our individual lives, and it can happen in our church life. So we give what is in our hands into God's hands, And look for supernatural multiplication and blessing. And then if we come on to the the second story. What was in Moses' hand? It was just a rod, wasn't it? He was a shepherd. It was probably his shepherd's staff. So he would have used it for a whole variety of things. He probably just walked along with his staff. It was just convenient. The ground was probably a bit rough, so it's quite nice to have a staff just to keep him steady. There might have been times where he had to sort of fight off wild animals. There might have been times when he had to use it to sort of help his sheep and rescue his sheep. It was just, it was just a staff. It was just kind of tools of the trade for somebody who was tending sheep. So it was nothing special, was it? What's in your hand? I've just got... My staff, Lord. And then God says, well, throw it down. And whoa. <laughs> he would have recorded, wouldn't he? As the, as, as the rod became a snake. And then God said, well, pick it up. But tail first, tail first. And, you know, God is able to, to do something Amazing. And God is able to take us beyond our natural gifts and resources. And that's why it's really important that we recognize that the Holy Spirit is here to transform us and to change us and to do amazing things. You know, we're just ordinary people, aren't we? And we do ordinary things. But what God wants is for us to give, if you like, what we have as ordinary people and what we have as a church, as as ordinary things, and to give it to him and for him to be able to do something amazing with it. I don't know what it looks like, if you like. I don't know what your rod is or what your staff is. Just the kind of things that are part of your normal day, day life. But God is able to to do something wonderful and amazing in each of our lives. And God is able to do something wonderful and amazing in this church beyond our natural gifts and 
resources. Well, I just want to share one extra scripture, and I realized I hadn't actually uh, written down the, where this was in the church Bible. It's in Zechariah. So if you're not too sure where that is, right at the end of the Old Testament, you've got Malachi, and then before that is the book of Zechariah. And it's Zechariah chapter 4. This is a book of strange visions, strange things are going on. And and God is using these pictures to speak to his people. Chapter 5 looks intriguing, doesn't it? Even if we don't go there, it says the flying scroll. (laughs) But uh, we're going to be in chapter 4. And I just want to read a few verses. It says, The angel who talked with me returned and wakened me as a man is wakened from his sleep. He asked me, What do you see? He answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it, with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? He answered, Do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, O mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. In Old Testament worship, there were various lamps. And the only way to get these lamps to stay alight was to feed them with olive oil. And it was quite a lot of work. I don't know exactly how you do it, but I guess you get, you get the olives, don't you? You press them and the juice is the oil. So that that would have to be done. Then somebody would have to bring the oil and feed it into the lamps. But in this picture, if you like, kind of all the hard work has been removed. And there seems to be a pipe from the olive trees directly to the lamp. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Zechariah is saying, the Holy Spirit is going to provide the power and the, and, the, and the energy that's required to power these lights. And then we have this amazing verse, don't we, in chapter 6, that many of us know, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And the feeding of the 5,000 is, if you like, an outworking of that, isn't it? Because we haven't got the money to buy enough food, We've just got this little boy who's got five small loaves and two small fish. What's that? What good is that? But God is able to use that, isn't he? Jesus showed that that verse is really true. Because the individuals, the humans, us, 
we didn't have a hope. How could we do it? But as Jesus came along, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he was able to transform those little things, those ordinary things. And there was just one other verse that, uh, that leapt out to me, and that was verse 10. And I just thought this was really important. It says, who dares despise the day of small things? Or in another version, it says, do not despise these small beginnings. Do you know, sometimes when we want God to do something, we're looking for something really big, aren't we? And sometimes God starts small. In fact, I think quite often God usually starts small. There's a story in the Old Testament. I think, I can't remember whether it was Elijah or Elisha. They were praying for rain, weren't they? And he sent his servant up and he said, can you see anything? He said, no, I can't see anything. Another time, can you see anything? No. And then he went a third time and it would be nice if we just had clouds this size. But he said, I can see a cloud just the size of a man's hand, didn't he? It was a small thing. We're just used to big clouds now, aren't we? The The whole sky seems to be full of dark clouds these days. But... It started with something small, didn't it? He didn't say, God didn't say, well, that's it, it's finished, it, 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 it's, it, it's no good, a small cloud would do nothing. That small, that small cloud was the beginning of something. And he said, you better run because it's going to rain really hard. Do not despise the day of small things. And maybe God is just starting to move in your life moving in this church, perhaps in small things. We need to be thankful for that. Rather than say, well, if it isn't this, or God used to do it in this way, or I'm used to God doing this thing. Let's give thanks to God for the ordinary things we have. And let's give thanks to God for some of the small things that we're seeing God doing, the small blessings we're having. Because Jesus said, look, if you're faithful in small things... I'll add to it. I'll give you. So what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Not, not what would you like to be in your hand. <laughs> what is in your hand? What are the kind of things that you do each day? God wants us to give those to him. And for him to be able to use them for his glory and for the blessing of others. Amen.